Hello and welcome again to Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. Thank you so much for tuning in into this fascinating conversation with an incredible entrepreneur who launched a business that focuses on personalized college tour experience. So the way it works is that you have an app on your phone that sort of guides you through your tour and takes you to the places in which you're truly interested in within the college. He is an incredible person as well. He also really understands what it means to be an enrolled student uh, studying at the same time while working on his own company. So I'm sure you're gonna really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much again for joining us and please welcome Ron Miasnik. We are so excited to be joined by Ron Miasnik today on Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. This is so exciting. This is the first founder we're interviewing who is actually still, uh, well, still enrolled in Princeton. So that's extremely exciting. So good to have you, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So can we just, you know, start off uh, telling us how did you get into entrepreneurship, Ron? How did your story begin? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I always like to say that I've been constantly playing this game with myself to figure out how long I can, how far along in my life I can continue doing things that aren't kind of the normal path. Uh, so um, kind of early on in elementary school, middle school, I always like, um, every summer I would organize a camp for my younger siblings and that was kind of my way of making money and had like a summer camp that I would run for all my, uh, all my younger siblings. Then in high school, I joined all the like normal you know, speech and debate and robotics and the school newspaper and dropped out of that really, really quickly and instead started my own clubs and my own nonprofits and had a lot, a lot of fun doing that. And now same in college. So um, I think I've kind of always had a little bit of a bug to try to identify some sort of problem or opportunity in the world and build something around it. And, you know, we'll see how long we can keep it up. Yeah, wow, that is, that's awesome. That's a very early start. And I think you're picking up on an important theme of like, uh, so what was the classic path that you did not want to follow? I think that's important to highlight. Yeah, I th so I actually so I actually grew up in the Bay Area. So that was another really important thing. Uh, I was very, you know, very lucky to be exposed to startups and entrepreneurship and kind of an entrepreneurial energy very early on. But um, you might have heard that, you know, Bay Area high schools are very, very intense and very, very college oriented. So when I went into my freshman year of high school, I was told very clearly, hey, here's the path to be successful, right? Go and um, like I was saying, go and do these clubs and these extracurriculars and take these classes. And again, I joined all of them. And I, I really just didn't enjoy it. I, I really have always liked kind of having my my own little baby and uh, kind of bringing it up and solving some problem and using all parts of my brain and it being some sort of roller coaster. And um, I don't know, I never really considered myself an entrepreneur at the time, but um, I realized kind of this was more upon reflection that that's just the way that I really, really enjoyed to work. Yeah, awesome. So tell us about this uh, little baby that you have now about your company. I think our listeners will be really excited to hear about, uh, you know, your idea, what you guys do. just give us an overview and then, you know, we'll jump into uh, some of the other questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Adora is a what we call a personalized digital campus visit platform. And at the end of the day, we're helping universities engage their prospective students in a personalized, in a meaningful, in a compelling way. Um, and in essence, what we do is we have kind of two products that we, we like to say. One is a content management system for universities that they can go and upload photos and uh, photos and videos and audio and text uh, about themselves, tag in really, really smart and easy ways, and then go and launch our second product, a consumer experience that is a mobile app, a web app, uh, an on-campus and off-campus experience for students to learn about the school that they're interested in. 
Wow, that is okay. That sounds awesome. I mean, I think you're gonna kill the tour guides. I really want to be a tour guide. So I don't know what to, what to think about that. Uh, but uh, I think it's an awesome idea. How did you come up with that? Yeah. Um. So I guess the the story is that about two years ago now, a friend of mine from high school came and visited Princeton, and uh, he this kid uh, I've known him for a, for a long time, and he came to he came to campus. He did the information session. He did the campus tour, and then he and I got lunch afterwards. And I asked him. Um, I asked him how he enjoyed Princeton so far. And he looked at me very bluntly and said, honestly, it sucked. Um, I haven't had a good time here. Uh, <laughs> and I was really surprised about that. And I asked him why. And he said something that in retrospect made a lot of sense. Uh, he said, I've been interested in physics since fifth grade. This kid's a physics genius, been interested in physics since fifth grade. I know I want to study physics. I know Princeton has a phenomenal physics program. I've been on campus for five hours at this point. I haven't yet heard the word physics once. And that's true, right? He, he came and did the classic yeah. campus tour, the classic information session, all really, really relevant information. It just wasn't relevant for him. And uh, kind of based on that insight, um, me and eventually a couple of friends as well, uh, emailed Princeton's admissions office and expressed to them, hey, this was the experience of one of your visitors. And, um, and over that, over kind of a couple conversations with them, we learned a lot about the challenges that they were facing and realized, hey, there's probably some sort of opportunity uh, to create something pretty impactful in the space to help students, to help universities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's amazing. Uh, so when did you guys launch? Well, what year? We so we started working on it. I guess um, you know it must have been March of you know coming almost two years now. Uh, we we had the initial mm -hmm. meetings, uh, and then we really spent a lot, probably eight, easily eight or nine months working side by side with Princeton on actually designing and building the. Uh, building the initial experience. We signed our first contract with uh, Princeton January of last year. Uh, so that was that was kind of the date that we had. We initially we initially got it closed. It took us a couple months because then COVID hit right afterwards. So it took us a couple months to actually um, kind of get up and running. We had went through a pivot as well there. Uh, but we've been really like live and operational for, um, you know, around seven, eight months now. Yeah, boy, Ron, you're a junior. And you said you started two years ago. So you were a what? You're a freshman? No, a sophomore? Yeah, I started, you know, the initial meetings were near the end of my freshman year. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so early. Wow, that's that's incredible. How did you, uh, yeah, like, um, how do you have so much courage to like start so early? We had a little chat with Ron actually before we started the interview. And he was happy that, you know, I'm a freshman, so I'm trying to uh, make some impact in the entrepreneurship sphere here at Princeton, you know, launching this podcast. But how was that process, you know, as a freshman? Was there anything particular? Well, I, sh I should ask you the same thing. You started a pro you started here a podcast here as a freshman. But um, no, I think I think it's it's honestly the same thing that happened to me in high school that uh, I, I you know joined a bunch of clubs and joined a bunch of activities and realized that, you know, none of them were were, were challenging me in the ways that I wanted to be challenged. Uh, and I think I've always said that I've none of the most exciting things I've done or most exciting opportunities I've gotten have ever come from applying through a portal. It's always opportunities that I have tried to create for myself that I've reached out and asked for, you know, asked for some sort of special opportunity or started something on my own. Uh, and that really allows me to, to push myself to the extent that I think I can be pushed. Uh, and, and it was the same, it was the same thing here. And by the way, before Adora started, I actually worked on a couple projects beforehand that I tried to get off the ground that didn't end up working out. And Adora, you know, we were lucky enough that it worked out, but, uh, if it didn't, then you just go on to the next thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will, I will follow up on that, uh, you know, later in our conversation, but, uh, before that, uh, you know, let's finish up on, on Adora. So how has, how has been the, 
launch process like? You said it was very lengthy. What were some of the challenges that you guys have encountered throughout the throughout the time? Yeah, yeah, there there are en endless challenges, and um, so I'll, I'll say one. We're actually so Adora is actually the first ever student owned company to become a Princeton vendor. Uh, so no, no, Princeton has ne had never contracted with students before. And for a good reason, uh, when we actually met with Princeton, with the admissions officer at first, uh, and we told her, hey, we have this idea for a company and for a product that we think you should use. Um, she originally said no. She said, hey, we, you know, listen, we've worked with students before. Students are flaky. Students stop, uh, uh, you know, stop doing their work when, um, you know, stop, stop maintaining it when they graduate. Uh, and one of the things we told her very clearly up front is, hey, we actually want to structure it as a business, right? We're not a student project. We're not something that kind of we're hacking around on on the side. We, you know, we expect to be compensated for this. We expect to run this, uh, run this as a company. But, you know, even though we, we, we gave that answer, it did take us seven or eight months, those seven or eight months of uh, until we actually agree, got Princeton to agree to sign that initial contract. Um, and that was not a trivial process. That was me three times a week going down to the admissions office uh, consistently and and saying, hey, you know, we're still here. We're still here. We're still waiting while we were building the product and not even knowing whether uh, whether the contract would ever come through. So there was a huge amount of uncertainty at the time. That was one huge challenge that um, you know caused a lot of stress. And, you know, we were lucky enough that it worked out, but it could have just as well not. And I think the second challenge that happened, you know, we we initially signed the contract with Princeton in January of last year. Two months later, COVID hit, right? And so we had built this entire product that was a, a really core element of it was the on-campus self-guided tour experience. And we pretty quickly said, okay, wow, like we were, we've been working for a year now in the campus visit space. Um, we actually, you know, we're pretty well positioned coming into COVID because we had a virtual component. We had a um, kind of a digital experience, but we realized pretty quickly, hey, the entire ecosystem around campus visits, the entire market we've learned so well for the past year is completely, completely going to change overnight and we have to figure out what do we do here i think you know those were just they're they're endless again endless challenges that came up but um those were just two yeah well i'm gonna come back to uh, the um the contract uh in a sec but i want to ask you so did covid so i'm curious you are a digital platform so in the end do you think you guys you know became slightly better off because of the fact that things turned virtual or did it actually make harder uh make things harder for you guys in the end at the end of the day, I think COVID, um, you know, we were able to to support schools through COVID, uh, which was something really special for us and also at the end of the, and also helped the business. Um, but it wasn't trivial when when it happened, uh, because how we initially uh, how we initially envisioned the platform was to be an on campus self guided tour guide to supplement the the tour, the, you know, on Princeton, the orange key tour guide experience or the um, kind of campus tour experience. And so when COVID hit, we were just starting to think about, hey, should we offer a virtual solution? Should we offer, you know, an off-campus solution? And the second that COVID happened, we realized, yes, like we need to, otherwise our, our, our whole business is not viable at all. So we really spent the next two or three months after COVID going through a really a big product pivot um, that at the end of the day was the right bet and did help the business. But um, it was not, it, it was a very, very stressful time at the time. It was, it was a lot of conversations with the team of, okay, how do we do this? What are we bet? What are we betting on? How long is COVID going to last? Right. Remember we, you know, we got kicked off camp. We, everyone got kicked off campus last year. We were talking, oh, it's going to, you know, it's going to be gone within two or three weeks. And then it was two or three months and then who knows how long. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's unpredictable and yeah, of course, you know, it might seem like for a company that's based on virtual 
experience that might seem like a simple answer, but I think it clearly, like, clearly shows how there's actually way more complex than uh, one might think. I want to come back to what you mentioned about, you know, contracting with Princeton. Uh, were there any other ways in which you had to secure funding uh, except for, you know, working with Princeton? Did you have any people come in and uh, help you with uh, investment? Yeah, so we, I mean, we've been very, very fortunate to be a part of the Princeton ecosystem. And um, I, I'm I'm personally very, um, like, extremely happy with how much Princeton has helped us along the way. Um, you know, we were, we won the, the Princeton pitch competition uh, last year as well, which helped us get some funding. We got some funding from the eLab Accelerator Program. We just got funding from... Uh, from Prospect Student Ventures, from the Make Ventures Princeton program, and even in other ways, right? We've gotten um, a huge amount of support from, uh, like our advisors are all Princeton alums that are uh, that we met through the ecosystem, our first lawyer, our first accountant, all people that were kind of supportive of us through the Princeton ecosystem. And so we were, we're got, we were very, very uh, kind of got a lot of benefits from being a part of Princeton and being Princeton students. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially, I love how you got funding from Prospects Student Ventures. It's so PSV is actually partnering with us on this podcast from this semester. And uh, well, this episode, when while I'm once now since I'm recording this with uh, with Ron, uh, well, this is still not published, but uh, you will see in a couple of days there's gonna be an episode of some people from PSV. So you might see some familiar faces there. They're awesome. They're amazing. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that that worked out uh, so well. So you know, um, one other question that I I wanted to ask is. Uh, you know, I assume this is a big project, so you probably had to, uh, you know, establish some sort of a strong team for that. Did you have a co-founder? How did you establish your team? I assume, did you have a co-founder? You did, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, so right? we have, we have, we have three co-founders currently working on the, the project. Oh. They've all, they've all been with us since, since day zero. Um, Ray Award is our, uh, our president and chief product officer. Joseph Rubin is, uh, is our CTO. And um, yeah, this, this has been an, an entire, entire uh, team effort from the beginning. And um, we've all been really side by side and there's just no way any of us could have done it individually. We all play really, really important parts of the business, both both with what we bring to the table, uh, but also just psychologically and mentally and emotionally. It's very, very hard to go through this type of process. And um, they've been you know, um, phenomenal partners along the way. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you guys meet up? Because that's a, you know, it's a, seems like a strong team of three people with a very similar mindset. How did you guys, you know, get together? Yeah. I mean, it, it really, I, I knew both Ray and Joseph prior, uh, prior to starting the the company. And when, uh, when I had the kind of initial idea or the kind of conversation around Max, I pretty quickly just recruited them and say, Hey, you want to go on, do something a little crazy. And, um, you know, it's been, it, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible. Uh, so what are some of the, uh, what are you hoping to see with, you know, the growth of Adora in the next few months slash years? I don't know how long, you know, you're hoping, I assume for a while to be, keep working on it, but what are some of the goals that you guys have for now? Yeah. Yeah. So I, what, so the product that we launched with Princeton back in, you know, January, like that we initially signed with Princeton in January and we kept working on, uh, through the summer, um, we, when we launched with Princeton, we signed a couple other early adopter customers over, over that, over this past summer. Um, we got a lot of feedback from them of additional things that they wanted, that they wanted us to do. And so we pretty much have spent the past six or seven months, very, very heads down launching what we building and launching what we call Adora 2.0, uh, which is, which is the, the current platform, which is now a web platform. We did significant redesigns. We launched our own Adora app that aggregates all the different schools. And so that was a huge thing that we have been building up to. And just a month ago, uh, we just launched that a month ago. And I think the kind of short to medium term 
or really the short term is go go expand with that, go sell that, um, because now we have a product that is you know much much stronger than what we had uh, even a few months back. But I think the long term, um, how we're thinking about the company is at the end of the day, what we've built with Adora is a platform for any organization, for any institution uh, to go upload a bunch of content. Um, and that could be photos or videos or audio or text, tag it in really, in really intuitive ways, and then launch a digital experience, right? And when you think about it like that, it's not only a, um, you know, it's not only a campus visit pl- uh, program that can be very much used by, by, uh, by cities, by museums, by national parks, by real estate agencies, by employers that want to target uh, employees and communicate in a personalized way to them. And so we see this as, a, as really a digital engagement platform uh, where the beachhead is, is, the, is universities and campus visits. Uh, but the, the potential is really much, much larger than that. Yeah, that does seem like a lot of work, Ron, I have to say. It seems like a lot of commitment. How do you balance that out with school? I'm, well, now you're on a, on a semester of leave, right, for a while. But well, you were working on this when you were still at Princeton. How do you balance, you know, schoolwork, which, uh, you know, in Princeton is definitely quite intense uh, and working so much in the company? Yeah, yeah, I... I... I wish I had like a, a good answer, um, but it's hard. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, you know, I, I can say tactically what we had, what we did was, um, you know, with the, with the founding team, we pretty much, when we were on campus, we chunked like two days of the week. None of us would schedule anything during those days. And those would just be all, you know, we would get in a room together, close the door, not talk to anyone and just, you know, grind on Adora uh, for those two days. And then a couple, and then a couple slots outside of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's 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 significant sacrifices, right? And and any time that you're trying to do something really hard and um, that that you have to work really hard for to even have a chance at succeeding, um, there's huge amounts of sacrifice of you know, both academics and social life and um, and a, a million things that you could be doing. The opportunity cost is very high, and so I think the important thing at the end of the day is like, is this something that you care enough about? Are these people that you want to be doing with, doing it with? Are you having fun? Uh, we were having a blast, even when things were uncertain. Are you having a good time? Uh, that, uh, you know, outside of that, like if 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 those things aren't true, then um, then you're just not going to do it. Yeah, that's well, that's absolutely awesome, and I mean, you guys are doing an incredible job. That's amazing. Uh, and you know, outside of the company, Ron, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, some things about your, you know, other involvement in uh, in entrepreneurship, you know, especially at the Princeton scene, because I know you've been quite involved in the Israel Tiger Trek. Can you tell us a bit about that, and also explain to our listeners who might not be from Princeton what that actually is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the Tiger Trek program at Princeton is really an amazing program that uh, has been around for quite a few years now. That takes, um, you know, it's typically, I think, 15 to 25 uh, really, really amazing entrepreneurially driven Princeton students, um, takes them to a tech hub. Uh, the two that existed prior to Israel Tiger Trek were New York and Silicon Valley. Um, spend a, and, and you spend a week there meeting with phenomenal founders and investors and executives across the ecosystem and getting off the record, ask me anything sessions uh, with them. And what what comes out of those programs is you get one you get to learn so much that you just can't learn from books and you can't learn from uh, from kind of reading podcasts you actually get to dive into the minds of these people but it also becomes a week long experience of really being introduced to the ecosystem and also doing a lot of self reflection on hey you know what path do I want to uh, do I want to go down where do I see myself going and I think when I got when I got to Princeton I I thought the the tiger the New York and Silicon Valley Tiger Trek programs were absolutely incredible uh, but 
I thought that there was an opportunity to take it to take it outside of the U.S. That you know, over more and more and more, the um, there there are entrepreneurial ecosystems outside of U.S. borders that are one really really important to the you know global startup ecosystem. And if you want to be if you want to be a player in that, you have to understand them. Uh, but uh, but also just really interesting, you know, in in completely different ways and challenge um, and challenge all, any and all assumptions that we have. Uh, that for those of us that grew up in the U.S., challenge a bunch of the assumptions that that we have about how Silicon Valley works or how New York works or even how Boston works or Austin works. And I'm I'm personally I, I'm from an Israeli family, and so I had a kind of a personal connection there, and um, and decided to start Israel Tiger Trek as kind of the first international Tiger Trek and the ability and um, and, to, and to to take Princeton students to the uh, to the Israeli ecosystem. And I guess I'll, I'll give kind of one quick you know selling point to the Israeli ecosystem that. Um, Israel has the number one, um, it's, I think, number one in startup, uh, in start, venture capital funding per capita and startups per capita of any country in the world. It has the third highest number of tech IPOs uh, after the U.S. and China by number, right? It's a country of 8 million, 8 million or so people. Uh, so it's really a, a special, special place. Um, and so we ran that trip last year, last January, and um, it was absolutely phenomenal. I, uh, I worked with... Uh, my co-director and co-founder Daniela Cohen, um, who was awesome, and um, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, and January was such a good timing in the end. Who would have thought? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got really, really lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to say, Ron, I can no longer complain about not having enough time because if you are, you know, starting at Princeton and just you know launching company on the side and launching an Israel Tiger Track. I can just no longer complain my stuff about my stuff being, you know, overwhelming. That is absolutely awesome. That's incredible. And you know, aside from all of this, I think uh, you were involved in things related to entrepreneurship, like venture capital. I think fairly early on as well, right? Did you have some experience in in that field? Yeah, yeah. I think my my experience in VC has primarily been I've been affiliated with two funds. One uh, is Contrary Capital, which is a university focused venture fund where I'm a a venture partner, and then also with Sequoia Capital, which is uh, a much, much larger fund um, based in Silicon Valley, where I'm what they call an ambassador. And pretty much both of those roles are at the end of the day um, for uh, helping, you know, uh, uh, the, these funds are understanding that a lot of really, really phenomenal companies are coming out of universities these days. And so they're trying to understand, hey, how can we get plugged into these ecosystems? How can we meet the people that, um, you know, are, are, are seeing the companies on the ground or seeing the trends on the ground that uh, are starting on college campuses. And so both have been really awesome experiences for me to one, learn a little bit about how investors think and learn a little bit about the venture capital ecosystem, uh, but also honestly, as an excuse to meet really amazing people and really amazing, you know, Princeton students and or undergrads and professors and, uh, and grad students working on really interesting research and really interesting projects that, you know, could potentially be, be commercialized and uh, could potentially make some sort of impact at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's an incredible journey overall. Uh, and yeah, just slowly wrapping up, Ron, uh, you know, one question I tend to ask our uh, interviewees always is, you know, if there is any one advice, and especially, you know, you're a student founder yourself. I usually ask for advice for student founders, and I think what you might say might be very relevant to them. So uh, any particular advice that you would want to give to student founders, you know, through your experience, from the stuff that you have learned through all your ventures? Um. That's a good question. Um, I think I think there are two things I'll say that I, I end up repeating to a lot of other other student founders that I that I talk to. Um, one is just go for it. 
uh, right? It's, it's, it can be very, very scary to go and, and, you know, wander into the unknown um, and try to start something. But the downside is very, very low, um, right? You're, le you're learning so much along the way that the, that the best thing you can do is just, is just try and keep trying and try again and see, see if you enjoy that as a, as a path for yourself. Um, and, and again, the downside is very low. And that goes into the, the second element is I think student founders, um, this is just kind of my little take, but I think student founders often confuse risk and uncertainty. Uh, and I, I talk to a lot of people that are interested in entrepreneurship or might want to start a startup, but say, you know, it's very scary and have a lot of what if statements or what if this happens? What if it fails? What if I spend all my time on this and it, and it goes downhill? I think at the end of the day, and especially, you know, we're all so lucky, um, especially at Princeton, we're all so lucky to be Princeton students. We're so lucky to have, you know, a really supportive ecosystem, a great pedigree that, uh, that we're working on. The downside of failing at a startup uh, or the downside of, you know, taking the unknown path and it not going well is typically pretty low. Um, it's, it's at least lower than most people think. And I think the thing that scares people most about take kind of venturing into the unknown and, uh, and starting a startup is the uncertainty. Is this an idea that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know where you're going to be a month, two months, three months, six months, two years, three years down the line. And often those things get jumbled together. Often you, you, you take this idea of, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. And the kind of common, the, the jump is what's going to happen is going to be really bad. But those things are completely separate things. And you can, and uncertainty is something you can get more and more comfortable with if you're understanding that the risk is actually pretty low. So that might be a little bit of like a, a theoretical or philosophical answer for you. But um, I think, at least in, with a lot of the founders that I've talked to, it's it making that distinction. And, and for me as well, by the way, it's something that I've worked on a lot has been really, really helpful and really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing this, Ron. Uh, and just as we as we wrap up, can you just let, let our listeners know where they can follow Adora, where they can follow uh, you as well? Because I think a lot of people might be very interested and also in the product that you're offering itself. I think, you know, we target this podcast to student founders who, you know, some of them might still be in high school and might be interested. So uh, just share with us how we can find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Adora, feel free to go to adoraexperiences.com. Uh, from there, you'll be able to both Learn a little bit more about our company, but also, uh, but also very easily take a tour of any of the schools that uh, that we're partnered with. Um, and for me, feel free to shoot me an email, Ron at adoraexperiences.com. Um, and I'm half. Uh, I look at my inbox all the time. So if anyone has any questions or thoughts or comments or, um, you know, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ron. And well, I mean, you know, we're wishing you best of luck. We'll be watching closely from uh, here from Princeton, from Fruit Tiger Lunch and all of our partners, eClub and PSV that's actually working with you really closely. So we're very happy about that. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us. It was incredible to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in into Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by Tiger Lounge, as well as our incredible partners, Prospect Student Ventures and Princeton Entrepreneurship Club. To learn more about the people who make this show possible, make sure to visit tigerlounge.com, psv.vc, and princetonecloud.com. If you're a Princeton student listening to this and you have a startup idea, make sure to check your email and check the website of Tiger Lounge because we are running our annual pitch competition. So if you have a startup idea, uh, make sure to check it out. You might receive some incredible funding from Tiger Lounge to make your idea happen. 